Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Towards Vivencia, the podcast. In this second season, Bridging the Gap. In this second season, we are bridging the gap between some of the top dance companies in the whole world and our community. Towards Vivencia will be collaborating with dancers who are or have been working with the greatest choreographers and companies of the 20th and 21st century. These incredible artists bring these incredible works and performances to life, and they have generously offered to share how they train in order to do so. Their personal approaches to the company's technical style, cross-training for both body and mind, and staying creatively inspired. All this and more will provide a unique insight into how these dancers work, how they work within these companies, and how they bridge the gap between their previous training and what is required to work with those companies. I am really happy to have uh, with us today uh, in this episode uh, Scott Jennings. Uh, Scott and I, we met a couple of lives ago in London at the London Contemporary Dance School. And now because of this COVID situation, that was one of the first names that came to my head and I'm really, really happy that he's going to be sharing with us uh, how he has been bridging the gap in between his uh, past life as a UK-British-based uh, student, uh, professional dancer, into a member of the Pina Baus Dance Company and beyond that. So first of all, Scott, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's it's also it's a, it's a really good pleasure personally because we kind of like uh, lost track of each other for the last couple of years and it's really nice to connect with these people who were you connected at some point. So that's the the one of the magic things that is happening in 2020, yeah. 2021. So before yeah. we <laughs> before we dig into that, I would like to ask you, can you tell us a little bit, mainly because I am curious, about what has been your journey since you left London Contemporary Dance School you became a dancer at the Pina Bounce Dance Company and what you are up to now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, upon graduating from the London Contemporary Dance School uh, in 2009, um, the first, actually the very first job that I had was with a wonderful small theatre company um, uh, who was doing, uh, they were kind of doing some fringe work and they asked me to come on as a, as a dancer um, And so straight away, I, I kind of had this experience of working amongst actors and um, people that were, were kind of in theatre, um, but, but had, a, had a big interest or a big love for movement. Um, and that unfortunately wasn't a very long project. And I ended up then doing something very different and working for Matthew Bourne uh, and being on tour um, in his uh, Swan Lake Um, doing a world tour um, with that piece. So that was a very, that was quite a big jump uh, in terms of kind of, um, yeah, in terms of the work and in terms of the, you know, this kind of um, eight shows a week uh, style of working. Um, and that ran for about a year, actually. We were on a, a world tour and then that came to a close and, Whilst I very much enjoyed it, in many ways, I, I quite quickly realized um, that this kind of eight shows a week uh, doing the same thing day in, day out was very difficult for me. And so I, yeah, started to freelance. I kind of just fell then into freelancing and uh, 
Uh, I was based in London at that time still. Um, yeah, and I just kind of put my feelers out there, you know, started meeting people, doing little projects. I worked with, um, I started to work with Claude Ensemble, um, who I've recently got back in touch with again. Um, I did some projects with Lucas Silvestrini, Protein Dance. Um, I worked on various operas and with Melly Still and with uh, Maxine Doyle. Um, so I did a lot of fascinating things, um, mainly in London, actually. Um, I, I took a few trips to, to, to Germany, actually, to Dusseldorf to work with um, a fantastic woman called Alexandra Weierstahl, who, again, I still have contact with. But, um, yeah, there was a, a kind of period of a couple of years from leaving um, Matt Bourne's company um, and freelancing around. And then um, near the end or the middle of 2012, I saw that the Tanzdiot of Wuppertal were looking for new dancers to join, you know, and I was, of course, aware that Pina had passed um, a few years before she died in 2009. Um, so, yeah, you know, I was aware that there would the company, you know, would be very different, um, even just a few a few years, excuse me, after she'd after she'd passed. But um, I don't know. It was always something that I that I was quite fascinated in. And actually, before I was at the before I was studying at the London Contemporary Dance School, I'd already started to get a little bit into physical theatre and dance theatre during my training at the Brit School. Um, so. I thought, you know what, I'll just, I'll just give it a go. I'll apply to go for this audition. You know, I'd seen the company um, actually around the time that the audition notice came out. The company were doing a big season um, that was linked to the cultural Olympia that was to do with the Olympics at that time. So I was lucky enough. I, you know, I grabbed some tickets and I saw a whole handful of pieces uh, of penis pieces, um, and you know, looking at the looking at all those fantastic performers, I, there was a part of myself that I, you know, I could kind of see in there, but I noticed a lot of the, a lot of the performers were a lot older than me. Um, and I think over the years that, uh, you know, um, a lot of performers stayed in the company, meaning that the, you know, there were, there were a lot of performers there that were older, which was a fantastic thing, but I thought, you know, they're not going to want someone that's 22 years old or however old I was, 20, yeah, 22, 23 I was at that time. So I thought, you know what, I'll send in my, I'll send in my stuff. Um, and I remember actually I, I, I left out my date of birth because I thought if they see I'm 22 years old, they're not, just not going to invite me. Straight away they said, oh, you know, we'd like to invite you, but we need to know how old you are, when, when were you born? So I thought, oh, you know, that's probably going to be then, yes, but no, thank you, you know. So did you tell them the truth? So I, yeah, I ended up telling them the truth because, you know, I had to at that point. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then they invited me. So I thought, oh, fantastic. All right. So, um, yeah, the short story is then I went to Wuppertal for a two or three day audition. Um, and a few weeks later they gave me a call and they said, um, Scott, we'd love to have you in the company. Uh, can you start in a few weeks time? So, from the audition to starting the company all rolled on really, really quickly. Um, and before I knew it, I was in this strange industrial German town city, um, starting to work in this iconic company. 
Wow. Yeah, really strange, really strange, uh, really weird few weeks that yeah. was. And what a journey, right? From uh, working for the Fringe uh, Independent Theatre to uh, Matthew Bourne to Cloud Ensemble to uh, Pina Baus. And this mm -hmm. process of what you were telling me now about the, you send your CV, you, you don't put your... Uh, yeah. um, That is a little bit the thing that I'm interested in because in this season we're talking a lot about bridging the gap. And us as right. artists, sometimes we just talk about point A and point B. I was a student at the place and then I was in that company. And then uh, I was a freelancer and then I was with Matthew Bourne. I would be interested if you could just tell us uh, kind of like in a fast forward way, what was the bridge in between being at the place and being with that company because someone introduced you or Matthew Bourne, I did an audition or um, and how was a little bit that going through the bridge right yeah yeah um yeah so in terms of like bridging as, as you say um at that time first leaving the place i was doing a lot of open auditions to be honest you know i was finding them on websites or um back then there was this i don't even know if it still exists but there was this website called article 19 i don't know if you remember that I do remember um, it was quite fun and quite aggressive sometimes. It was, it was, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was quite an interesting website, and they, but they always posted, a, you know, loads of auditions or at least kind of seemed to be stuff that interested me. So um, I quite often just saw things popping up, you know, open, open auditions here, here or here. And, you know, um, otherwise people would just say, hey, Scott, you know, there's, this is happening or so-and-so is looking for dancers, you know, you might be interested, why don't you pop along? But to be honest, in those first years, when I first left the school, um, I was doing a lot of open auditions, really, because I was working out also what I liked and who I liked, and I was very, very open. Not to say that I'm not open now, but, you know, um, I kind of didn't know really what I wanted to do in one way. I knew I had these certain interests, but so most of them were, were, were through open auditions, really. And if they weren't open, then I'd, you know you know, send a CV and maybe a little clip of me dancing about and then um, I would be invited or not. But um, that was mostly the case through an audition. So Matthew Bourne, the Claude Ensemble, all of them through audition. It was, yeah. I um, I had a teacher at the at the place, um, Etta Murphy, who's worked with Matthew Bourne for a long time. And so she was a little bit of a kind of a little bit of a driving force behind that saying, Scott, I think, you know, you should go to the audition and she was leaving the audition. So I had a little bit of a, um, a support there from her or a kind of, you know, she um, encouraged me to, you know, to go for the job. So there were some things like that where I might have known someone who'd encouraged me or said, why don't you go along? But otherwise it was just about, um, I also found um, it was quite fun just seeing what was out there and, you know, saying, oh, this person, what are they doing? What have they got going on? Do I fancy going to meet them and, you know, doing the audition? And, you know, a lot of people, seems a lot of people just don't really like auditioning. And I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it too often or, or do it, you know, all the time. But every now and again, I think can be exciting, an exciting way to just meet people and see what's going on. And I think it's a, it's a skill, you know, there's a skill there. Uh, definitely and I would like to go deeper into that because I was one of those people that I like to go and audition because it helped me to get to know all the dancers to know the process of the choreographers uh, and I am a competitive person meaning that I came from a sports science and not in a aggressive or a bad competition but for me uh, going to an audition was a little bit to measure myself 
of what was going on. So can you tell us a little bit about that idea of enjoying auditions, which I totally agree and I can understand, and also... What are the skills that you felt that you were missing uh, to tackle those auditions? And also, what were the skills that you gained by doing those auditions? Yeah, so I think I, I think I kind of enjoyed these auditions, um, similarly to what you just said, because I enjoyed meeting other people, meeting other dancers, you know, seeing who was out there and who was kind of in my community or, or you know, within my circle of dancers, especially a lot of them were in London, so I was, you know... Um, meeting other dancers who I didn't know that had trained at other schools or in other institutions, you know. Um, and um, yeah, I was just excited to know what people were getting up to and how people approached their work and or how people approached dance or, you know, like I said, I was already quite interested in this merging of dance and theatre and uh, text and working with the voice and things like that. So um, if I if I knew or if I kind of had word that someone was working in that way, then I would be, then I'd get intrigued as to how they were doing that or what interested them about that. And could that inspire me? And, um, and often I was really surprised, you know, I did, I remember doing an audition for an opera once and, um, um, there was going to be some, some work on harnesses and kind of climbing up quite high pieces of set in this job. So they like took us climbing for a day to an indoor climbing wall. You know, and I didn't expect that. And that was fantastic. Um, just, you know, there's often these surprises as well that come with many, many, many of these auditions. Um, and yeah, I, I guess, I guess it's um, in terms of skill or in terms of what I learned, I suppose you get this, um, this weird thing of being judged or, you know, ultimately, um, even though, it doesn't always feel like that. I mean, it can do, but you know, there's this thing of saying, this is me and kind of, do you want to, this is what I have to offer. Can we make that work? And do you want to work with me? Um, so there's that. And there's also, you know, times when I also, to be honest, also needed a job and needed some, I needed some money quite simply. So I was also kind of going in there thinking, Oh, well, if I don't get this job, then uh, does that mean I don't have any work for six weeks or something like this, you know? So there was a lot of kind of a lot of things to balance. I think there um, again, I wouldn't say I'm I'm overly competitive, but I do I can I can connect to that definitely. Um, but yeah, I suppose it was kind of I was always quite interested in how I worked somehow under pressure or how I worked in um, with things that I was uncomfortable with, um, you know, or or I don't know, like if someone said oh, who can like stand on the head? I would straight away know that I couldn't do that. But then I would, but then it would be interesting for me to recognize, okay, well, how do I give that a go? Or how might I overcome this? Or how might, or do I just say, I don't think I can do that, sorry, but is there something else I can offer? Or whatever it might be, you know, but it was somehow about how can you, yeah, how can you challenge yourself? And how can you work with your own limitations as well? Um, that was always quite fascinating for me. And I always found, or more often than not, I found that I surprised myself as well with what I came out with. You know, someone might have said to me, you know, could you, can you stand there and talk about um, what you did yesterday for five minutes as fast as you can? And I'd be thinking, oh man, I don't know if I can do that. But somehow, I don't know, I, something, um, often something would overtake me and I would just, just give it a go 
And uh, I really, and I really love that. I remember that uh, for me, something that it changed massively in auditions uh, or in terms of frustration or anxiety is like, well, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to offer. And let's see what it comes out of that. And yeah. what a yeah. healthy way of approaching auditions in the way that you're doing with that curiosity. Let's see, let's give it a go. Let's see what I find today. Let's challenge myself. Definitely. And of course, of yeah. course, there is the pressure sometimes like I really want to work with them or I really need the job. Uh but the pressure is less harming when you approach also with that curiosity and that um, definitely so let's let's jump a little bit into now that we're talking auditions i was not expecting this but yeah, now yeah. that we're talking about <laughs> can you tell us a tiny bit more about what was the audition for pina Bowes dance company what, what what did you do and how did you feel about it did you know that you were going to get the job straight away you were hesitating mm -hmm. Just tell us a little bit about it yeah um so Yeah, I think it was probably one of the more tense auditions that I've done in my life. Um, I can't remember if it was two days or three days, but it was definitely more than one day because I remember the pain that I had on the second day. Um, yeah, I think weirdly with that audition, um, one thing that was so overwhelming for me was being in that space, in that studio, in this historic space um that's that pina had worked in with the company since she'd taken over the company in Vorpatal, so since the 70s you know or it might have even been earlier than that than that but there was, it was somehow so overwhelming to walk into the space that held all that history and all of that all of these pieces that many of us have seen whether it have been on video or, or live that w were made in this in this old cinema um That, that's still now the studio um so weirdly there was this sense of there was these this nerves that just came from feeling the space somehow weirdly and and thinking oh right yeah i'm here in this in this studio about to audition for this company so there was that firstly um and then there was a whole array of things over the two days so We started, um, if my memory serves me right now, but we, we definitely started with some repertoire and I think it was the, the iconic uh, Rite of Spring um, repertoire that we started with. Um, then, yeah, we did a whole, a whole range of repertoire from a whole number of pieces. There was improvisations. There was um, improvisations to do with speaking, Linking the, the linking the voice and the body, there was improvisations around things that existed in pieces, so kind of more concrete things that you still had the freedom to to play with, um, and it was just yeah backwards and forwards between repertoire and the and the kind of creative improvisational stuff, and then throughout the two days there was constantly cuts. So um, by the end, I think there was five five or six of us maybe. Um, I mean, I must say I felt, I did have a feeling like I can, I can sense my, I can sense this work on myself already. I didn't know necessarily that I was going to get the job, but I, but I felt it suited me. And, you know, there's a kind of, um, yeah, it's maybe wrong to say that there's a body type or, um, uh, a look, so to say, because everyone in the company is so different. But there were 
there have been a lot of men in the company that are very long and quite thin, as I am. Um, and I know Pina herself was, you know, super, super beautiful, long arms, really big, long hands and fingers, you know, very slender. And so I think it was an aesthetic that fit, that that is one aesthetic that can fit the work quite well. So I also felt, yeah, a lot of this kind of fits me somehow, you know, you know what I mean? Um, and I remember uh, right at the end, we at the end of the last day, we'd gone over time a little bit mm-hmm. and I had to get a flight back because wow. um, I was working in Wales at that time. And I thought, oh, if I don't tell them I need to leave now, I'm going to miss it. So they wanted to speak to it. They wanted to speak to this last group of people who were, who were still there and have just have a little chat with everyone. But I, I remember saying, look, I'm so sorry, but I've got to leave because otherwise I'm going to miss this flight. So they said, okay, um, that's a shame, but go, of course, go and get your flight and we'll be in touch. And just before I left, I remember them asking me if I had any other plans or if I'd got any other jobs kind of booked in, in the next months, the coming months. And I, th- and I had, but I, but just, I said, no, I don't <laughs> because that was this, that was a kind of little, uh, <laughs> a little sign of interest, so to say. And I left thinking, oh man, why did I say that? I've got, I've got things lined up. What am I doing? But, but there was something that knew that, you know, if I were to be offered a job, then, uh, I was going to have to say yes and give it a go because, um, I didn't even really think about whether I was going to like it or not. Weirdly, <laughs> it somehow felt very nice in the audition. I enjoyed it. Um, and then I suppose I just thought, well, if they offer me the job, I'm just going to say, yes, that's, that's how it is. Um, so that, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about then? Okay. All, all that happened. Uh, they called you a few weeks and as you said, it was quite a quick, uh, turnaround. What happened when you entered in the company? Meaning how long have you been in the company? A, a few questions. How long have you been in the company? What's been the most iconic uh, piece or the one that you've enjoyed the most? And a little bit, what is the theme of this podcast and the classes that you're going to uh, give with us? What is the gap that you felt that as a performer you had to feel and how you did that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so firstly, um, I went, I joined the company then in late 2012 and I left as a full-time member in 2018. Yeah, so six years full-time. <laughs> and then in, in 2019, I was still going back to do some to be in some pieces as a guest. So, um, yeah. Um, and I hadn't, and I I still haven't kind of cut the ties with the company. Of course now, excuse me, everything's on, on hold and on standstill. So I'm of course not doing anything now. Um, but yeah, that was the main time frames until now. Um, So when I, when I joined, um, I joined alongside an Australian dancer called Paul White. We were the two that were taken at that time. And ultimately what happened was um, no one really knew, none of the dancers really knew how to integrate, how to integrate new artists into the company because that had always been Pina's job. You know, Pina had already, had always, sorry, um, done, you know, led the auditions and said, chosen the people. Um, and of course that was then her who was getting, who, who was, you know, getting people into the works. 
So it was very much an experiment in some ways um, from all of the dancers that were already there. Um, and Paul and I, we were all just trying to work out, okay, how can we get these new pe these new people into the pieces? And so I think... Um, perhaps from worry that we would that we wouldn't that we wouldn't feel like we were doing enough they started just to put us in loads of pieces straight away <laughs> and I mean it didn't have huge roles but um suddenly I was learning this piece then I was learning that and you know some of these pieces three or four hours long as well um and very very specific and detailed and it wasn't just learning the content but it was also trying to understand these worlds that 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 Pina created you know to understand her language um, or her um, her thread, if you know what I mean. She had a whole repertoire of pieces that were ultimately so different, but in many of them there was this thread, these same themes or these same ways of, similar ways of being. So that was, a, that was something extra to kind of, um, to find out and to learn and to experience. So um, it was fantastic on one side because straight away I was super, super busy learning, learning a whole handful of pieces uh, and getting on stage with them right away. Um, but at the same time, I was really overwhelmed and I wasn't quite expecting that, actually. I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to be the new kid, so I will be slowly eased in and perhaps I'll be, you know, learning a lot of rep but not doing it on stage. So that's kind of what happened. And... Um, Bearing in mind as well, a lot of pieces, if anyone's seen any of the pieces, there's normally a lot of things to deal with on the stage in terms of props and sets or water, earth, uh, mud, sand, um, whatever it might be, that um, you would kind of then experience all these things for the first time, like in the dress rehearsal. Because there was no way that in the studio you'd have a whole, the whole floor full of water or that it would be raining or that there would be these huge cactuses everywhere, you know? So it was always this strange thing of the first time you've ever done this piece, it's like you're facing, you're facing all the elements for the first time, uh, often in front, of, in front of people because in the dress rehearsals, we would always have some people watching and there'd be photographers and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, um, that was pretty intense, but, f but it was fascinating. And it was a, a way of, a, it was a new way of me to kind of, um, let's say, um, face that fear of going on stage with a different sense of uncertainty in a way, you know? Um, so through my time there, I, I was lucky enough to perform, I don't even know how many pieces, I would say near on 20, if not more. Um, over those six years um, and um, in, the in the final years I was um, lucky enough to perform in the double evening Rite of Spring and Café Muller um, which was very very special and also um, some very other yeah some other kind of prominent roles that were that were really special to do and I ended up um, in the last couple of years doing doing pieces where I spoke German uh, for the most part and somehow 
yeah, over that time I learned to speak German and then I was doing it on stage. Well, actually the other way around, I was doing it on stage before I could really, <laughs> before I could really speak it. <laughs> but uh, that was a whole different thing than playing different languages. And also if we then go on tour to Japan or to France, for example, we would try to speak in those languages. So we played, um, I played a number of pieces in Asia. So I'd spoken in, in Mandarin, I've spoken Japanese on stage, I've spoken French, in German, of course, and in English. Um, and that was fascinating as well. Not just to do, but to feel the react to feel the kind of reaction of people when you when you you know, when they heard when they heard the performers trying to speak Japanese. You know, it's very, very special and something very intimate there, I think. Yeah. Very, I, I guess the, the audience are very grateful for that effort. And I guess that you will not have the time to to share with us when you are teaching in Tobosvencia with us next week, uh, Chinese and Japanese and German. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're going to be able to, to share all the 20 pieces that you did with Finn about. So can you tell us a tiny bit more about that those skills or that... Uh, talking again about the gap that you felt that performers might have to tackle that kind of work that you would like to share now? Yeah, ultimately, a lot of the work that I do now is inspired from my experiences there in Wuppertal. Um, very interested in the relationship of the voice and the body in a, quite, in a, in a simple way. Um, sorry, not in a simple way, but ultimately the kind of, let's say, the underlying themes of the work that I do Uh, the relationship between the voice and the body, um, using um, and using those things in quite human ways as well, um, and somehow um, when it comes to when it comes to let's say performing or um, or kind of being in these works, what am I trying to say? Let me start that again. Um, what I realized, I'm going to start this again. What I realized when learning all these works of Pina's, not all of them, for example, the Rite of Spring is quite a different um, work to a lot of the other ones because it's very, it is what it is. And it's very much about the, about the content, about the movement content in a different way than some of the other pieces. Um, so with a lot of that, very early pieces that that were very theatrical and often very 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 um yeah that just spoke about or touched on um human emotions human connections relationships and people's stories um really um i found or i had to find a way of just being able to exist in these pieces so i suddenly became fascinated with Okay, well, what does it mean just to exist in a space? You know, what does it mean to, um, to, how do I, yeah, how do I connect to these very human things or these personal stories that either I have or someone else has had that I'm now taking on? And how do they kind of sit in this realm of performance in the, on, in the, proscenium arch, you know, but how do I just kind of exist there? Um, and so, yeah, a lot of my, a lot of my work then is, I'll go back to that is then, um, looking at the voice and movement, looking at people creating from a place that's quite personal. So, um, often I would ask questions 
um, which is inspired by the way that Pina um, created with a lot of the dancers, um, asking questions, kind of personal questions, or asking to recall stories or memories from from one's life. Um, and yeah, somehow these things that can nowadays seem a bit cliche, you know, love, loss, um, that kind of thing that are very, that are, that are very strong, very heavy in Pina's work. Um, I, yeah, I, I like to touch on those in my own way too. Um, and yeah, the, again, without getting into a kind of too much of a cliche realm or a kitsch realm that we can touch on, yeah, trying to connect to those, to those feelings that were so, that are so human and so raw. And that was such a big part of, um, penis work. And they might be a bit cliche because now it's fashion to do all the kind of things, but we cannot forget that those themes are universal and are the things that are, have exactly. been moving the world for centuries and might be looking at them as cliche because we are in a post-modern, post-post-modern uh, moment in mm -hmm. history and culture, but those things are exactly. as basic as we are. Thank you for exactly. that. Exactly. So I'm really, really looking forward to see how that translates uh, into the classes next week because uh, it seems all very fascinating, very difficult to to reach, but at the same time in the way that you are explaining, it seems very tangible as well. So I'm really looking forward to see how that translates yeah. into the classes. So in order to finish, uh, I would like uh, to know a little bit more about now, what, what what's happening with mm -hmm. you at the moment in a very strange moment as well that we are all of us in online realm, uh, but mm -hmm. I, hopefully you are coming back to perform soon and teaching. So what's up to you with your life online and offline? Yeah. So I'm right now I'm just enjoying um, having some time to do things like cook and, you know, take time in the kitchen and read and um, yeah, pick up a few things that I've, I've always had in the back of my mind that I said, oh, I'd like to learn, you know, a bit more about economics or whatever it might be get into get into this breath work and so that's been really nice to have to have that kind of time to do that um yeah and then i've been teaching various workshops and um, classes online uh, in between that and um had a little job in a wine shop actually <laughs> here in berlin <laughs> which was nice to do something else um that was in the summer um but to be honest i'm i'm kind of in a place where I'm thinking, okay, how do I, yeah, what do I want to do now? If, if this, you know, if this normal carries on for, who knows what's going to happen. But um, what I do know is I can get creative about what I want to do. And, you know, so I'm thinking perhaps about studying or, you know, I don't know what it might be yet, but there's things brewing, there's things boiling up, which is exciting enough for now. Um, and yeah, let's see what, let's see what comes out. Um, yeah, I was, I was on, I was supposed to be on a world tour with a revival of Enter Achilles, um, from Lloyd Newson, um, which was, which was going to be produced by Rombert and Sadler's Wells. So it wasn't under DV8, but it was, you know, Lloyd was recreating this and we did all, we did four months rehearsals. We just started the tour and then it all, everything stopped. So That was very, that was very, very sad and kind of letting all that go. Um, but, you know, yeah, onwards and upwards and we've, yeah, just getting creative about what we do know and what we can do, basically. Mm. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was not aware that were, you were one of the lads uh, of uh, was, yeah. <laughs> the Inter Achilles because <laughs> yeah. Ian is going to be teaching with us also in a few oh, yeah. weeks. Okay, because uh, he's going to be talking about the rigor of working with Lloyd Newson and the and the voice uh, with the body. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, I was supposed to be teaching also you guys the company uh, warm up classes, oh, right. the, the revival, but you know, okay. all fell okay. through. And uh, but hopefully, yeah. And this is a little bit what we are learning in 2020, right? That dance artists uh, who we have been in different companies freelancing then set for a while we kind of been rehearsing or rehearsing all our life for this moment we know that we have the resources to reinvent ourselves to be creative maybe yeah. learning uh, working in a wine bar creating our own business or finding yeah. ways to collaborate with others and of yeah. course it's very tough for many people but the I feel very empowering that everyone that I talk to, one of us, it feels like, yeah, you know, we are struggling or this is not ideal, but I know I'm gonna be fine. Yeah, and that's exactly gorgeous. And I, th and I, yeah, yeah, it's taken me a little while to get to that point, I think, but yeah, I do feel that um, more and more, um, and you know, with you know, with communities and with talking to people and with doing things like this and talking to people like you and all the wonderful stuff and hearing about all the wonderful stuff you're doing that's exactly the that's exactly the things that we all need now to to yeah keep us going and to get creative and stay stay moving together definitely yeah and and we yeah. all we will struggle at some point and that's the power of community as well right when someone exactly, struggles yeah. someone else pick you exactly. up and then when you struggle someone else is there to pick you up so that's what we are one of the magic things of 2020 is how cohesive and strong is the community coming together even if it's online like you and i we are right yeah. now yeah Scott, thank you so much for this time. Uh, I'm really looking forward to your classes uh, next week. And uh, yeah, we will talk uh, a bit more in the future because I have lots of other questions. Uh, I think this conversation just started with, ya with you, but I think as an introduction of who Scott Jennings is and what is he going to be doing with us is more than enough and is enticing us to, to come to your classes next week. Really looking forward to it, Scott. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And likewise, I very much look forward to... Um, my week of classes and yeah let's see let's have fun and that's the other thing let's just you know be creative you know have this sense of community and you know learn stuff and share but also just have fun I think we we all need that now as well especially more than ever definitely let's have some fun <laughs> let's have exactly. some fun together even if exactly. we are not together Scott thank exactly. you so much my pleasure thank you